0: Let's get it going on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of the Fanside Podcasting Network and ArrowheadAttic.com. I'm Roland Stiles, and for once, I'm not talking into the abyss by myself. I am now joined by Sterling Holmes of ESPN Kansas City and 810 Sports. Sterling, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. It's exciting to be on on this podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. A lot to talk about today, a lot of Chiefs. Let's get into it.
0: I'm also joined by a now returning Host, Grant Tuttle. Grant, how are you doing today?
2: Oh, you know, I am doing well. Uh, I, am, I am sitting uh, at my home drinking tea uh, in my pajamas, because what else are we supposed to do um, I, other than uh, be safe and uh, be good to one another? So um, I'm ready to talk some Chiefs, Rylan.
0: And I'm drinking coffee, first, i going to talk about what we're drinking, and I'm drinking it out of my Super Bowl LIV Champions mug. So I want to know, in this quarantine, have you guys rewatched the Super Bowl yet? Twice. Twice.
1: <laughs> I have not. To be honest, I have not rewatched the Super Bowl. I watched some highlights, I I saw all that stuff on YouTube, the, the mic dup, had to rewatch that, but I've not gone back and and fully watched the Super Bowl again.
2: Wow, that's like criminal. <laughs>
1: I know. I, I feel kind of bad. I feel like I just need to sit down and, with some beers and, and then try to, like, just get excited again. Be like, oh, no, the Chiefs are down. What am I going to do? And then just watch the comeback unfold.
2: It was a beautiful thing. I, I, the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, this was great. And then the second time I watched it, I was, like, surprised again on the Damian Williams touchdown run. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, so that was great. Uh, I would recommend during quarantine to just do that, like as often as possible. Yeah,
0: that's going to be my next rewatch project. I've I watched, of course, the franchise episode that happened after it, and I've watched, as Sterling said, the the would up version. Uh, so far, though, I've only rewatched the Royals' 2014 wild card game and the Royals' comeback over the Astros in the ALDS, which just forever live in my heart as is, as does the Super Bowl. So we'll get on that next. Uh, but let's start today's show with Sammy Watkins, and he has restructured his contract to a one year. million deal with a no trade clause. Um, I didn't really know what to think of Sammy Watkins uh, this offseason, coming into it on the offseason preview podcast. I thought he wouldn't retire. I didn't think that there was going to be a trade partner for him, so it came down to either cutting him or restructuring his deal. The Chiefs chose to restructure, and I think they've got him for a bargain, and I think that this is probably the last ride in Kansas City as they try to run it back in 2020. Sterling, what were your thoughts on Sammy Watkins coming into the offseason, and what do you make of this move?
1: Well, I think if we're being honest, we all thought Sammy Watkins was going to be gone uh, about two months ago. You know, Towards the end of the season, we're all like, oh, great, he got his Super Bowl. Now he's going to go to a new team. That's what we all thought. Again, like you said, we didn't really know if there was going to be a trade partner for Sammy Watkins. uh, But I honestly thought he was going to go to Houston. I thought he was going to team up with DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. That was my gut feeling. Well, then Bill O'Brien became Bill O'Brien, probably drank too many beers during quarantine. That wild trade, DeAndre Hopkins shipped off to the Cardinals. And I don't think Sammy Watkins probably wanted to go play with Bill O'Brien after that point. Uh, That's what I would probably think at this point with all of the uncertainty in the offseason with the coronavirus. It made sense for him to come back to Kansas City on a one-year deal. Again, I think this this will be Sammy Watkins' last year in Kansas City, but with the craziness, the uncertainty, why not have one more ride for a Super Bowl? Get your $9 million, Nothing to sneeze at. And it's going to be a best-case scenario. Just run it back. Uh,
2: hashtag run it back. Um, there's a lot of Implications that the Chiefs are intending to uh, be the most prepared team um, for the upcoming season. They're not so much going out and making splash moves, but they're keeping their own. Um, so uh, the thing about Sammy Watkins is, is that he he's uh, coming back for a multitude of reasons. I mean, you're not going to leave Patrick Mahomes. Um, like, I don't think any wide receiver is excited to leave Patrick Mahomes uh, behind. Andy Reid trusts him in the system. Uh, Andy is known for having a very complicated playbook uh, that requires a lot from his wide receivers, Um, and Brett Veach loves Sammy Watkins. Uh, We saw that when he first signed him to a a ridiculously large deal, Um, and in many cases, I I would still say that he's getting paid more than he truly deserves, but there is a mutual love for some Sammy Watkins in Kansas City between the front office and um, I, I assume Sammy enjoys being here. Um, so I'm thrilled that he's back. I have to say I was I was dead set thinking that he was on his way out because he had that big cap hit. Um, but they were able to work it out, and that's a, that's a testament to uh, a great front office that's working better than uh, it did before with uh, Mr. Dorsey. So I, I think
0: that you guys both are the nail on the head, and this is... Equal beneficial for both sides. For Sammy Watkins, you obviously get to play in an electric offense with the best quarterback in the NFL, with the best offensive mind in the NFL. For the Chiefs, as you said, Grant, that's a complicated system to learn on the fly, and with no OTAs and possibly a limited training camp period, you're going to need the continuity on both sides of the football. They get that with Sammy Watkins. He signs a one-year deal. He's only 26 years old. He has a lot of injury history, some inconsistencies in his play, Can Sammy Watkins earn a big deal next offseason in, a I think, a weaker wide receiver class, if I'm not mistaken? Can he earn a bigger deal next year with bigger income and a long-term deal? And if he can, what would he have to do in this system to get that? Let's start with Sterling.
1: I want to say, first off, you say he's only 26. That still blows my mind. But Sammy Watkins, to me, always falls into this—it's almost like a game. There are certain players where you always just go— but if he hits his potential he's going to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. For some reason with Sammy Watkins I still feel like he's not hit the the top of his potential and I do think some team agrees with that statement and I think some team next year will will give him a bigger contract. But but like you said with shortened OTAs potentially with training camp being uh up in the air with all this coronavirus, I don't think teams were willing to bring in a new receiver with a super high Contract this year. I think next year that will be a different story. Uh, I, I think Sammy Watkins, already having one Super Bowl ring with the potential to add another one on this year, could even go for more money next year. This is a win win for both teams. This is a win win. If Sammy Watkins wants to land a long term contract, I think just do what he did last year try to stay somewhat healthy, perform in the playoffs. And if you get two rings and show up again in the playoffs, some team will pay top dollar for that kind of talent.
2: For sure. I am in agreement with that. And and uh, like Trez Paler always says, uh, the contract year is undefeated. Uh, I, I mean, uh, Sammy Watkins might have been on his way out, but he didn't know that for sure um, this last season. So there was still some moments where he was really, really good, I think, to the uh, Jacksonville game at the beginning of the season. Uh, where people are like, here comes the Sammy Watkins coming out party, um, but you know, um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. I, I would assume um, there would be some wide receiver needy team that would be um, in favor of bringing on a, a player with the skill set of Sammy Watkins, um, and I, I, I think that Sammy could have a really good year. Uh, like I said, the the contract year is uh, always good for players. Um, and um, I would expect that they will uh, get him involved just as much, if not more than last season. So um, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I still can't believe, as Sterling mentioned, that, that he's only 26 years old. I mean, that's insane to me. I think that if he can play you know, another 14 or 15 games this season, maybe even all 16 if he can stay healthy, and he, of course, will produce in this offense as long as he's on the field, that he can get a big-time deal Next offseason, I don't think, of course, that's what the Chiefs. I think this is the this is the last ride for Sammy Watkins in Kansas City. He was a huge part of the postseason this year. He'll always be remembered in Kansas City. But I think this is his last hoorah in Kansas City. The next offseason move that we want to talk about is the Chiefs signing Ricky Seals Jones. And for most people, this does not move the needle. But guys, you're gonna to have to talk me off the ledge here because I'm all in on Ricky Seals Jones. It's only a one-year deal. He gets that second tight end spot, which Andy Reid utilizes a ton. He has the potential of a former wide receiver turned into tight end who has the speed to burn linebackers and beat zone coverage. He has sure-fired hands for the most part. I I love Ricky Seals-Jones, and I think that mm-hmm. put him in this offense with the best quarterback of all time, in my opinion, the best offensive minded head coach, in my opinion, and all of those weapons, from Travis Kelsey to Tyreek Hale to Sammy Watkins, to take the pressure off of him, Mikko Hardman, to take that pressure off of him, that he can thrive in kansas city and i think that he will thrive in kansas city am i wrong on that
1: no i i don't think you're wrong I, again i don't know i'm just gonna say this i don't know if anyone is as high on ricky seals jones uh, as maybe you are his mom and himself and himself but the the thing that i would say gives me one little little cause to pause is his blocking ability i, I don't know his blocking ability maybe you'll be able to answer this better than i can but, but that gives me some cause to pause based on Andy Reid typically uses his second tight end in more of a blocking role. Yes, it's extremely fun. It's going to be exciting to see uh, what Andy Reid does with a, another past first tight end. But I almost think this move is more so to give Travis Kelsey some snaps, maybe some drives off. If they see enough, with Ricky Seals Jones, if they see enough ability to be the guy to allow Travis Kelsey to get some rest, because again, Travis Kelsey is not a young guy anymore. You don't want Travis Kelsey going the Jordan Reed, Greg Olson, uh, you know, Witten route, where you just all of a sudden get old like that and get injured. You don't want that. So maybe Ricky Seals Jones can take some of that pressure off of Kelsey. But that's kind of my initial takeaway. I love the fact you're super excited, so maybe you can tell me at least a little bit more uh, about the blocking and, and more in detail about Ricky Seals-Jones, what he brings to the table.
0: Well, he's 6'5", 243. I don't think that he's ever been asked to block. I mean, certainly not Texas Tech. I mean, excuse me, certainly not Texas A&M. Uh, he wasn't really asked to block in Arizona or Cleveland. Uh, and those are those have been his two stops. It's an undrafted tight end. has It's been Arizona. It's been Cleveland. Two train wrecks. I mean, his first year, he was with a washed-up Carson Palmer, Drew Stanton. I mean, they threw out Blaine Gabbert in 2017. And then he goes and plays with Josh Rosen. And then last year, the disaster that was Baker Mayfield and that offense and Freddie Kitchens. So he's never really gotten a a good system around him and and to really show off his talent. Again, that speed and everything in the passing game is just drool-worthy. But to your point about the blocking, he has the size to do it. He hasn't been asked to do it yet. So therefore, I don't know if he can do it. But he has the size, and I think that he can he can handle it the same way Blake Bell did. Uh, He can't be any worse at blocking than Blake Bell, in my opinion. I think that they're going to be about the same, and Andy Reid trusted Blake Bell to go out on the field. And now at least you have a pass-catching target and a pass-catching option in Ricky Seals-Jones that's actually going to have a a focal point for the defense to at least keep their eye on. I mean, no one was worried about Blake Bell last year. As much as I loved him in the preseason, nobody, of all the people on the field, they did not care if Blake Bell cut a two-yard out. But Ricky Seals-Jones at least can make something happen with the football
2: wait okay podcast listeners i need you to stop listening to this right now i need you to rewind it about 30 to 40 seconds you will hear Ryland styles say that baker mayfield was a disaster which i
0: uh, oh, oh last I just year was can't a total it. disaster
2: i i'm i'm flabbergasted but anyway ricky seals jones um is a second string tight end um, and that's about the extent of what I think about him. He's athletic. Andy Reid will use him in an air raid type system as he slowly continues to adapt to that. Um, and um, Andy Reid will probably use him a lot as a decoy. I could see that happening where they, uh, they say, oh, oh, crap, we can't put a linebacker uh, on Ricky Seals-Jones. He's a little too quick for that let's bring in a defensive back and then Andy Reed will hand it off to whoever the running back is at that time. Um, I think that's, that will be one of his main points. I could, you know, I could see him being a guy that car- uh, catches a, a pair of touchdowns and um, has 20 some receptions like that. That's in the realm of possibility, especially as much as the chiefs pass, but I'm not as excited as, uh, as Ryland. And <laughs> uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of people that are, but I mean, congratulations to you. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that this is uh, the equivalent to winning the Super Bowl in the off season.
0: And Sterling, to your point about Travis Kelsey, I, I don't think that uh, that the keys are going to be handed to Ricky Seals Jones when Kelsey's career is over. But Kelsey is 30 years old right now, uh, you know, and he was born in October, so he'll be 31 at the at, you know at the middle of the next season, as long as we get started on time. And I think that you could see Ricky Seals Jones this year being in that kind of load management role for Travis Kelsey, uh, not, of course, taking away his job or taking a huge portion of the snaps away, but at least, again, load managing him, not having to throw him out there every single time that you need a big play happening. Maybe with Patrick Mahomes and maybe in this offense, Ricky Seals-Jones could be a big play machine. That's what people think that he could be at the tight end spot because of his speed and his athleticism. So if you can get Travis Kelsey some snaps off, I think that this is a huge win uh, for the Chiefs because you're going to need to protect your assets, especially as they get up there in age.
1: Does he have better hands than Demetrius Harris?
0: Oh, yeah. I think you have better hands than Demetrius Harris. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, no, it depends. Because if, if Demetrius Harris is wide open, then his hands are awful. But if he's covered and has to make a one-handed catch, then he's your guy. He'll make that catch, but he will not catch the one that's right in his lap.
0: I think that I, I would never worry about Ricky Sealshone catching the ball if he's wide open. I'll put it that way.
2: Okay. All right, that's fair.
0: I I am super excited about what he can be in this offense and what he can do. Obviously, he's not going to go out and win Super Bowl MVP. Although, let's face it, folks, it shouldn't have been Patrick Mahomes. But that's another conversation for another day.
1: But I think well, that's just a bad take. Uh, No, 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 Ryland, Uh, you can't just say that and then all of a sudden just uh, gloss over that. If you're, you're you can't literally sit here and say Patrick Mahomes should not have won Super Bowl MVP. That is an asinine take. I feel like I'm Stephen A. Smith going off on you right now, feeling I've been bamboozled right now.
0: I think Damian Williams was a, was a deserving Super Bowl MVP. Obviously, the storyline was there for Mahomes. He was huge in that Super Bowl. He was huge his entire career. I mean, he's
1: literally... I, again, do, I, do, do, do the Chiefs come back? Do the Chiefs come back with Damian Williams, or do the Chiefs come back with Patrick Mahomes? That, that's a good point. I, I will I will subside
0: that. Again, that's no shot at Patrick Mahomes. I called him the best quarterback of all time five minutes ago, but I think that Damian Williams made a, a ton of big plays down the stretch. But again, I'll, I will I will back off and say that you're correct in that Mahomes is the Super Bowl MVP <laughs> and deserve to be one.
1: <laughs> Stay Look off at that.
0: the weed.
1: Stay it, it took off what? the weed. <laughs> <sighs>
0: so the Chiefs this afternoon re-signed Brashad Breland to a one-year deal worth up to $4 million. So obviously that tells you that's not exactly $4 million. There's a lot of incentives that go into that. I don't see how this can be considered anything other than a good move. I mean, you bring back another starter from that Super Bowl team. He played a ton of good football this season, and I was one of the, the biggest haters of this move because of how bad he was in Washington. He had a nice bounce back in Green Bay. Things fell through in Carolina with that presumed deal that he signed. And then in Kansas City he played very well opposite of Treverius Ward. I like the move. I'm not sure if this will be his last ride in Kansas City as well for kind of the opposite reason of I think this offseason he really got hurt by the fact that, you know, there's no in-person visits, there's no workouts and things like that to kind of slow down the offseason and slow down his pathway to a big contract. I think if he plays the way he played, you know, last offseason, if he plays that way this this season, then he will be in line for another big payday that he should have had in Carolina before, of course, he failed the physical. But Sterling, what do you think about this move? And is it is it anything other than just a, a good, solid move to to kind of shore up that, uh, that cornerback room?
1: It's an amazing move. I feel so bad for Bashad Breland. You're telling me he gets a one-year, $4 million deal after the Very, very solid, almost, I don't want to say great, but a very good year that he had at cornerback. You're seeing guys like Xavier Rhodes. Josh Norman has not been good since 2015 get larger deals. I mean, Bashad Breland is a Super Bowl winning cornerback. Yes, you could say the penalties were uh, sometimes a concern, but he was very, very, you didn't worry about Bashad Breland. You did not worry about him getting burnt. He was, he was consistent. He was there. He was good. The, the the fact that his market was only one year, four million, speaks more to GMs being stupid and more to the coronavirus than it does to Bashad Breland. I think this is Breland's last year in Kansas City, not because Kansas City does not want to resign him, but because he will get a larger deal next year. He has to get a larger deal next year.
2: Yeah, I for sure. I, I mean... He was very good, and I, I don't know if it's just because he fit so well in Spagnolo's system, exactly what the, what the reason that Green Bay let him walk and why he's been kind of a, a journeyman um, to this point in his career, but he's, he's had some very good seasons. Um, I don't know. There's kind of a weird cloud around um, Breland because he, uh, if you'll remember a couple years ago, he was, he was a free agent for a really long time. Uh, He came to Chiefs training camp. Everybody thought he was signing. He was there for like two days, hanging out in the dorms. Everybody was losing their minds over Brashad Breland, And then he left without signing a deal. Um, And then he went on to Green Bay for a really small contract and left there, came to Kansas City and actually signed the next year. And it was a one-year deal. And here we see it again, a one-year, $4 million deal. Seems like a steal for the Chiefs, but what are we missing? What what is the what is the reason that he has only been able to get one year deals for the last three seasons? I, I don't really understand it.
1: GMs are stupid. I've I've come to accept this. No, it's true, and you can call me. Well, then why aren't you a GM? I I get this, but but when Josh Norman, who has not been good in multiple years, gets double the money, when someone like Xavier Rhodes, who was ranked a bottom five cornerback, again, don't get me wrong, Xavier Rhodes had a lot of very good seasons. When when Bill O'Brien is a GM, when Nick Foles is somehow getting traded for, when making like twenty five million a year. There are bad GMs in the NFL. GMs don't... Look at uh, Nicole Roby. He was a top, I think, 15 cornerback ranking-wise, according to PFF last year. He got, I think it was $1.5 million. GMs don't understand the value of cornerbacks yet. They they don't understand the analytics. They don't understand the value that these guys bring yet. They they see big names, and, and that's what they go for. That's the only reasoning I I have right now.
0: Yeah, there are certainly stupid GMs out there, so I'm not even going to argue with that thing because that's just that's a just factual one. I mean, Bill O'Brien is, is the best example. I do wonder, though, with Prashad Breland, how many deals did he have out there? Because considering the fact that there's not going to be any OTAs, there's probably going to be a, a short and, and sweet version of training camp. Did he find comfort in returning to that same system that he thrived then and you know, and can you know, be successful, win games, and possibly win another Super Bowl? Did he find more comfort in that than a big one-year money deal uh, to try to prove himself here in Kansas City rather than somewhere else uh, just for a little bit less money because we all assume that he's going to play well again and then get a huge payday next offseason whenever we're into our normal offseason routine? And he played, he played good last year. I mean, the penalties, as you said, can be some people's concern. I don't really care about penalties for cornerbacks in the sense of, of course, they're going to go up. Of course, there's going to be a ton of penalties. People are throwing the ball more than ever. And pass interference. people are throwing the ball to create pass interference now. I mean, that's, that's part of some team's strategy just let's throw it up there and hope that someone gets called for P.I., especially whenever you're down, and especially for the Chiefs they get the ball thrown on them because they're always winning. So he has more chances to make penalties than most people. He played very well. And I don't know why other people can't see it around the league, you know, GMs, that is. But I do wonder if he did get a bigger payday offer and just decided to come back to the familiarity of the Chiefs in this winning organization to prove himself all over again and get that payday next offseason that we all think that he'll have.
1: Very good
2: point. Okay, quickly, very quickly, I want to say, The best play that Brashad Breland made last season had nothing to do with coverage. It had everything to do with picking up a ball and running it 99 yards back for no real reason other than, like, you didn't hear a whistle. Um, That was awesome. Do you guys remember Detroit when he pretty much won the game for the Chiefs because he picked up the ball that just kind of, like, rolled to his feet and he didn't hear a whistle and he just booked it for the other end zone? That was good stuff. That was yeah, they, they, they buttered
1: a- the footballs. I, I heard the Detroit Lions <laughs> buttered the footballs.
0: So we've got Buttergate now instead of DeflateGate.
1: <laughs> Buttergate.
0: <laughs> we should take that to uh, the Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback and see if we're right up. Call him about Buttergate. See if that actually happened. Uh, but yeah, that th- th- that really tm that really showed his his savviness as a veteran, if you want to call it that, that he didn't give up on that play. Uh, a lot of people even if they don't hear a whistle they'll just give up because they assume it's dead and another thing that spoke to that was just how quickly that he fit into Spag's defense which is which is of course league-wide accepted as one of the hardest if not the hardest defense to pick up on and he instantly got it and made huge impacts in it so I like the secondary room whenever you put him Breland and Ward and hopefully Juan Thornhill can come back and, and and be what he once was in his rookie year and of course the Honey Badger I still would like to draft a corner but I do like with the secondary where it stands right now.
2: We all would. We all would like to see a corner, I think, um, at least in the top three rounds. So let's let's hope for that.
0: And then the final move that the Chiefs made since last week was DeAndre Washington getting signed for a one-year deal. Uh, th- this is not even a blip on the radar to me because he can either be really good or he can be cut in by September. And, and I, I can see it going either way because I can see any running back that Andy Reid trusts and Andy Reid puts in there, and I can see him having success, especially as a scat back. I could see DeAndre Washington. We're going to be talking about him in December. I can also see him not even registering for us in December. So I'm just taking a wait-and-see approach with DeAndre Washington. I don't have this huge love for him the same way I do Ricky Seals-Jones. But Sterling, what did you make of this move whenever you first saw it?
1: Well, I want to say this. Uh, first off, I'm still slightly salty about the cutting of Carlos Hyde, or I guess the trade. Don't get me wrong; I'm glad they got Rankin. And <laughs> I was the, the I was on board the Carlos Hyde train last year. He ran for a thousand yards, so I, I think that pick uh, worked out. But you no, know, DeAndre Washington, I think, is fine. Like like you said, he's going to be a third down back. I don't really understand the move. I, I, I guess the best. Uh, thing about it is the DW initials you got Daryl Williams Damian Williams and now DeAndre Washington a lot of DWs but I guess he adds competition I don't really understand though because you know you, you got Darwin Thompson who I I think the Chiefs think they have at least something with uh Daryl Williams I love him yeah and Daryl Williams when healthy has been solid he, he's performed fine and then Damian Williams. To be honest, he's been the most inconsistent. He's either been outstanding like the playoffs or he's been miserable like the first eight games of the season. But DeAndre Washington's not going to be your league guy. Outside of competition, I'm not really sure what this move does.
2: Yeah, I absolutely don't think it moves the needle. Uh, It seems like they're kind of building this running back room of people that are kind of like... Average, which is good. I think that's a, that shows that your GM knows that running backs don't actually matter and that you shouldn't actually invest uh, a lot of resources into your running back room. Um, I also think what's interesting about it is that most of the guys in the chiefs, I I would say with the exception of maybe uh, Darrell Williams, uh, most of those guys can catch the ball out of the backfield very, very well. And that will be something to watch going forward. Um, I think that DeAndre Washington had like 30-some receptions, like 36, 35 receptions for the Raiders last season. Um, so he's a guy that's, that's come out of the backfield and uh, will catch the ball. And I, I think he can make some guys miss in the open field. And um, I don't think it really moves the needle, but it's something to watch. Uh, it's a it's an off-season storyline that I'm uh, frankly here for because we need more uh, football stories in our life.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love Darwin Thompson, so I'll be really sad if this move kind of knocks him down the, the depth chart. But obviously, if it does knock him down the depth chart, then Andy Reid has trust in DeAndre Washington. Uh, but let's transition into the NFL draft, and it's still going to happen on April 23rd. Um, you know, there's some people on both sides of this where you know you you're either really are happy that's still happening or you're like Adam Scheffner, who for some reason just lit a torch to the NFL about continuing on the draft as normal on the 23rd. Does anyone have a problem with us? still holding an NFL draft in two weeks.
2: No, I don't. I like it. I I think it gives us, uh, something to pay attention to. That's not, uh, ourselves, uh, self-loathing. Uh, you know, it's an event that you can do virtually. It's not like we're watching, um, somebody play 2k and then saying, Oh great. We get to watch basketball games. It's not the same thing. It's not like watching a Twitch stream, uh, trying to replace it with a sport. Um, this is real sports that you can do virtually. A, a draft um, crew of analysts typically just run a bunch of highlights and talk about the prospects. You can still have Mel Kiper, uh being wrong. He can still be wrong uh, from his own home, and he can still uh, talk about his guys. Um, just take out Mel Kuyper. Just okay. What's that?
0: I said, okay, just sideswipe Mel Kuyper while we're at it. That's fine. <laughs> Not, I, I don't, don't watch hate ESPN's Kuiper. coverage. I watch the NFL Network. I think that's the that's the premier coverage of draft. But we can talk about that later as well.
2: Well, I I, I don't hate Mel Kiper. I just <laughs> think that he's a. You know that time that he said like Jimmy Clausen uh, was he would put yes. his uh, career on Jimmy Clausen. Um, he's wrong. <laughs> he's wrong a lot. But you know, I, like I, like I was saying, it's a virtual kind of setting, and it's one that works. It's one that you can you can have a Zoom session and. uh, put it on television and people will watch it and it will be just fine. It won't be like you're missing a whole lot. The only thing that's missing is people walking across hugging uh, Roger Goodell Um, but that's somewhat taken care of by EA Sports but we'll get into that later
1: Yeah, I I, I think there's honestly some sort of normalcy, some sort of getting back into sports and getting your mind off of everything terrible that's going on I think that helps. I think that definitely gives gives fans and people something to look forward to. Because sports in general are, are, are more than we think. It's more than just a game. Remember how impactful after 9-11, George W. Bush came out and threw out the first pitch? Remember how impactful that was? How we still talk about Mike Piazza to this day? Sports mean more to people than, than I think the average person gives credit to. So uh, I do think this uh, this will work. The NFL will make it work. It's the NFL. They know what they are doing. Uh, I, I like this. And uh, it, it's something I can drink beer to. You know, it, for every single dumb thing that the Texans do, you take a shot. Every time the Chiefs, um, you know, pick a.
0: Well, you wouldn't be around for the <laughs> rapid reaction show. Today, yeah, yeah.
1: So. Every time the, uh, the the Chiefs don't pick a cornerback, you take a shot. Uh, every time the Eagles draft a wide receiver that they shouldn't instead of a wide receiver that they should, you take a shot. So there's games you can play. Look at this; it's a win-win. I think that
0: before the draft, the week you know the week of the draft, that we're going to put together a NFL draft bingo card, and you can turn it into a drinking game if you want to, uh, and and we'll put that out there on Twitter and talk about it on the podcast, but. There's there's nothing wrong with doing it this way. I mean, I don't see how you can think that even though we're in a global pandemic, it's insensitive somehow to have the, the draft, what Adam Sheffner was saying. Um, if that's the case, then everything we're doing is insensitive. The the 2K streams, the the Madden GOAT tournament that PR is doing, this podcast. I mean, it's not insensitive. I think that the only bad part about this is, is the fact that those players who do work their whole lives to get here are having an experience on one hand that... That no one else will have and that you'll you'll remember forever but on the other hand it, you're taking away a lot from, from from their enjoyment of what they've strived for their entire life because to get here you have to do it your entire life so not only do you not get to walk across the stage and shake roger goddell's hand if you're going to be one of the 30 or so prospects that go to vegas you also limit who you can come who can, who you can invite to your house i mean you don't know where everyone's been and in some cases you can't even invite your own family members if they're up there in age and you don't want to even risk potential you know, health concerns to them. That, that's the saddest part to me is the players who are going to be missing out on the draft parties and missing out on on their green screen, you know, their green room moment. That's the worst part about not having the draft um, or having the draft right now. Other than that, I think it's totally fine. But one thing that the NFL is doing for their prospects is well, EA Sports says, and that is recreating their prospects and allowing them to greet Roger Goodell electronically. And I think that I read today that they had 50 prospects signed up for this. Uh, so Joe Burrow is in there, Chase Young of the marquee names that will take part in this. I want to know what would be your greeting with Roger Goodell. EA Sports calls you up. You're going to be drafted 12th overall. They want they wanted to know what you want EA to play for you. As you're greeting Roger Goodell, Sterling, what would you do walking across that virtual stage?
1: Uh, I got Steve Miller Band rocking in the background. I'm walking straight up to to old, old Raj. Uh, I, I got a little beer in one hand, maybe do a little shotgun with Roger Goodell, shake his hand. You got Steve Miller Band. Boy, that's that something like a pretty good, pretty good start to your career. I, I can't see that guy not being an all pro if that happens.
0: I would bet all my money that he wins uh, like Rookie it. of the Year, that that you would win Rookie of the Year if he did that.
1: Oh, 100%, right? You have to. You
0: know, the voters would vote for you for that alone.
2: I think that's... I think it's incredible. Uh, I, Mine would be very similar. I would say that I, I would probably have, like, not Steve Miller Band, not because Steve Miller, the Steve Miller Band is, like, uh, less than cool because they're pretty dope, um, but... Credence Clearwater Revol- Reviver. Oh, my gosh. revive! He doesn't even listen CCBR. to them.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Does he even go here? Does he even go here? Um, but uh, give me some, like, Midnight Special, like, Let the Midnight Special. You know that one? That's a good one. Uh, I would have that one blasting. Uh, I would probably walk across the stage, um, reach out like I was going to shake Roger Goodell's hand, Pull it back at the last second, slick the hair back, grab the jersey, walk off the stage. Wow,
1: badass! That is a badass move right there. First of all,
0: those pipes—I didn't know right. we were American right. Idol podcast now, but I'm here for it. So, if I'm going to Kansas City, then you of course right. you got to walk out to—I'm going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here I come. Uh, but in general, in general, I'm going to walk out to "Strawberry oh, Fields Forever" nice. by the Beatles. I'm going to take my sweet time getting to Roger Goodell. I'm going to open my arms and embrace him in a humongous hug. I'm talking big bear hug. And I'm going to I'm going to tell the the graphics designers, whatever you want to call them, to leave me there in his arms for 6 seconds and we're going to sway back and forth. It's going to be inappropriate, it's going to be long. It's going to make people uncomfortable because I think this whole thing is pretty strange. So let's just embrace it and let's just go full force and have a inappropriate long hug with roger Dale swing back and forth to strawberry fields forever by the beatles
2: well you know i just want to quickly say that is brilliant but you know what's really brilliant is that espn or espn oh my gosh ea sports can create such bad content and we just eat it up we just eat it up they create bad content and we eat it up they're the billionaires because we keep buying their trash and so they're the real masters here just remember that kids
0: I do want to give them a little bit of credit, though, because they, they are putting themselves out there. Because you know that draft night, especially if we not have a Larry Tumselt situation, so we have nothing content-wise, they're going to get made fun of. Because there's no way that their prospects will look anything like their real-life counterparts. There's just no way. I'm so excited about it. they're, they're going to be making this from scratch, and it's going to look oh, it's going to be great. And people are going to be clowning them. They think right now that they have such a, a great plan detailed out, and that it's going to be so great. And they're just going to get hit with so many jokes that night. I'm here and with 50 for prospects. It. That'll last all weekend. I mean, that'll last all weekend. So the NFL draft has transitioned to an at-home virtual draft, as you can probably tell by EA Sports making these animations. And people are concerned that the NFL war rooms might get hacked. And so I want to ask you guys if you could hack anyone's war room in the entire NFL draft outside of the Chiefs, because we all want to we all want to hear Andy Reid. We all want to know what's happening in Kansas City. If you can hack any war room that wasn't the Chiefs, who would it be? Let's start with Sterling. Who who are you hacking?
1: Oh, Bill O'Brien and the Texans. Lock. I mean, Bill O'Brien. I, I, I want to see Bill O'Brien try to explain why he is going to draft a wide receiver to fill DeAndre Hopkins' spot. I, I want to see Bill O'Brien just go completely against the grain and basically piss off everyone else in, in the Texans' war room. I, I think that is going to be fun in itself to watch. Maybe, you could say, maybe the Giants, based on who they're going to draft instead. You know, who's this year's Daniel Jones going to be? Who, who are the Giants going to take that they're just going to completely reach for? So that Giants could be fun. Mostly I want to see disasters. I want to see a disaster is what I want to see.
0: I want to see if David Gilman can actually operate a computer.
1: That's a good one. Good one, yeah.
0: Grant, if yours also, Bill O'Brien?
2: Um, that, that's the only answer. I mean, uh, if, you want, if you like reality uh, TV, like he's your guy. Uh, it's like watching Joe Exotic. Everybody in the NFL is a little wacko, just like tiger owners and breeders in the U.S. But nobody's quite like Joe Exotic or Billo Exotic. Bill O'Brien is the Joe Exotic of the NFL. Um, everybody looks at that guy like, "What is his deal? Why, why is he the way he is?" Um, but I, I mean, it's it's entertaining. It's like the guy trying to maneuver a draft as the head coach and general manager after trading away with a top five receiver for a washed up running back. Like, how can you not be super excited to watch that? That is the I would almost rather watch the Texans. Uh, than the Chiefs because the Chiefs won a Super Bowl they're just going to pick the best player available whoever's on their board I love the Chiefs but like it's not going to be nearly as exciting as Bill O'Brien trying to justify whatever he's going to do because obviously it's going to be terrible
0: yeah I think that Houston is the right call there if I had to go opposite of you guys I'd probably go either Dallas because I feel like Jerry Jones just thinks that he can get any player he wants and doesn't really understand that it's a draft, and you can't just have all the players, so I want to see who he's targeting. And then also John Cruden. I mean, him and Mike Mayock on a Zoom call? Sign me up right now. I, that is better than hard knocks, I think. I just want to see those two together. Knock on wood if you're with me. That wasn't actually wood. By the way, that's tempur glass of my best, but it works the same, I guess. But... You think John Gruden would let that slide if he didn't knock on wood? he like just knock on wood? It counts.
1: Because we'll, we'll that
0: table wasn't real wood, I don't think, in their hotel lobby.
2: Well, he also, he didn't always say knock on wood. He also said just knock if you're So really you think he's a wood so, snob I mean, where
0: he understands what's real wood. So if there's real wood there, then he'll say wood. If there's not, just say knock.
2: Yeah. 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 That's what I think. I like
0: the idea of John Gruden actually deciphering what actually is wood and what isn't wood and then changing his phrases based accordingly.
1: I could just see, just see John Gruden knock and be like, mm, yeah, mahogany, yeah. you know, n- knowing yeah. his wood too, like knowing the type, you know, <laughs> that, that'd be my favorite John Gruden thing.
0: It reminds me of a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode whenever Larry David sets a glass on, uh, uh, I can't think of her actual name, but she played Eileen in, in Seinfeld and it creates a ring on the wood table. And so she wants the money for the table. And he's like, no, I didn't do that. I respect wood. I respect wood. And I think that that's exactly what what John (laughs) Gruden goes through. Great show. I think her name was Julia Louis-Dryman?
1: Anyway, besides Uh, the point. I I think you're thinking of the Dexy Midnight Runners. Come on, Eileen.
0: (laughs) What? (laughs) I've never heard of that show.
1: No one got that joke? Did did that (laughs) just go over your heads right there? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Dexy Midnight Runners. <laughs> they I, sing uh, it. Come on, Eileen. Gosh, get cultured. Gosh, no, I, no I the only know from sorry, Gosh, no classics. <laughs> Gosh, know the classics, boys.
0: You'll have to educate oh, educate us sorry. on the classics because my classics are just Curb and Seinfeld over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, but I'm willing. I'm willing to expand my horizons. But on this topic, if we want to take it to a more serious route. Will this at all impact the NFL draft that you're actually having to turn your pick in through Zoom?
1: No, I don't think so. The only—again, the the difference is you're not walking across the stage. Uh, I don't think, you know, Bill Belichick is going to be camped out somewhere trying to hack into something while pretending not knowing how to use a computer. I think—yeah, I I mean, it's the NFL. The NFL— the NFL will make it work. We know this by now. The NFL will find a way to make this work. They will make money off of it. Uh, it will be sponsored. Don't, you better believe that. You know, I, I'm honestly not too worried about this. I, I think it will go on without well, go off without a hitch. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it, just seeing how they go about doing this. But, it, I mean, it should be pretty interesting. Yeah,
2: uh, I think it will be fine. I, I don't really have a lot to add to it. Um, I, I do... I do think that Bill Belichick is always looking for a way, though Sterling. I, I, I am, I am on team. Never trust Bill Belichick because he's a life cheater. Uh, and one of the episodes last season, I went on a rampage about uh, the uh, the Bengals practice tape um, or run through <laughs> tape or whatever it was um, because I just I don't trust him. I don't trust the guy. So um, he could be he could be snooping around John Harbaugh's server. I don't know what he's doing.
0: Yeah. Last year it was the, they filmed the Bengals Browns game for their, for their version of the franchise. And that got just out of hand quickly. Uh, But I I don't think that this is going to be a problem. They're, they're going to capitalize on this. They're probably gonna be sponsored by Microsoft groups or, or Skype or zoom or something and make money that way. They're also going to do a uh, telethon type thing to raise money for relief. It's going to be fine. And, and, there shouldn't be any excuses for, well, this draft was terrible because it was done on Zoom. I, I don't think that's even uh, remotely excusable. One thing about the draft, though, is that Tua says he feels 100%. There was reports that came out today, though, that a GM has said that teams have failed him with his physicals somehow. I didn't think that we could have physicals with players, but uh, and that he also had a wrist injury that was undisclosed. So with all the injury history that we do know, and now some that we don't, no, with his wrist and things like that. Do you still feel comfortable taking him in the top 10? Do you still feel comfortable even trading up for him if you're Miami or any other team that needs a quarterback, Sterling?
1: Yes. Uh, yes. It, it, if you're Miami, if you are the Raiders, if you are the Chargers, I don't care what team you are, you trade up and, and get to a. We've seen this the way the NFL is trending, it is a quarterback driven league. Looking back on the draft of Mahomes, every single team would have, gave, would have given up so many picks, so much capital to draft either Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. I, you, you want to put all of your eggs into the quarterback basket, and I think Tua has the potential to be an elite quarterback. Again, are the injuries you know cause for concern? 100%. But at the same time, would you rather have Tua sit out a year, get healthy, then get back to being an elite type of quarterback? Uh, Let's be real here. Sitting out one year worked outstanding for Patrick Mahomes. It worked outstanding for a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers didn't start right away. You you, you know, I, I think if you are Miami... You go all in on the Tua sweepstakes because you don't want to be stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick for another seven years or however long he wants to play in the NFL for. You don't want to play the is Jameis Winston a good or a bad quarterback game. You go all in and, and, and put, your, put your eggs in the Tua tug basket.
2: Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Tua is the second-rated quarterback on my board, which I am developing. Um, working on it, so I can uh, share that with you all later um, in the next couple weeks before the draft. Um, but yeah, Tua is second on my board, and it's because he's a, an excellent improviser. Um, he had a, an excellent cast, uh, support cast. So I, I'd be curious to see what he could do with less, um, because he's not going to have the the best at everything in the NFL uh, unless he somehow takes over for. Uh, one Patrick Mahomes uh, which is a a treacherous thought that I I should not have even said but um, Tua is a solid player I don't think he's anywhere close to Joe Burrow Um, but as far as um, being worth a first round pick he's the only other guy besides Burrow playing quarterback that is worth a first round pick so by saying that that means that you should be trading up for him if you think he's your guy um like uh sterling said miami las vegas the chargers the patriots if uh they can move up that far they should all be looking at him they should all be thinking about Tua. uh they should all be um uh, exploring that option yeah i agree
0: i mean he's worth the shot he's worth the risk because i think he's the only quarterback with enough upside to become a legitimate starter in this league i don't believe in Herbert, Love is a project, I'd take a shot on him, but I think that Love's ceiling is probably a game-managing good-enough quarterback. I think Tua and Burrow can both take a franchise to a new place than they are right now and not just manage the game, but that report about the physicals and the uh, other injuries came from Michael Lombardi, who of course was the former GM for the Browns on his podcast The GM Shuffle. He says what they saw was not the hip, it was his ankle, it was his wrist. He broke his wrist the first day of spring ball one year, came back, fixed it, and broke it again. He's brittle. He's brittle. He's just brittle. There's no denying that. Don't know why. He had to be called brittle three times, but he was. So uh, the agent, of course, for Tua has denied that claim. Nonetheless, he says he's 100%. A team is going to draft him. It's just what team and where. And he'll be off the board on Thursday.
1: The GM that said that was Bill O'Brien. Well, you you said the Browns, though. You said the Browns, right? Because if it's the Browns you should do the exact opposite of what they say when it comes to the party
0: former browns gm
2: okay but the gm that said it is obviously bill o'brien if we're being honest right he's the guy that was like he's brittle uh brittle three times by the way
0: not just um, brittle he's brittle he's brittle he's brittle
2: right right he's like a um He's like what you eat at Christmas. Isn't that like chocolate brittle? What is that called? Yeah, peanut peanut brittle. Come, peanut on. Brittle. Peanut brittle. Come on, man. Sorry, guys. I didn't drink coffee today. Give me a break. God.
0: So I have been on this podcast all offseason long, beating this point to death. So I think people who listen to this podcast are kind of tired of my take real quickly. I think that there's not really a chance that the Chiefs pick at 32 unless something insane happens, like some player falls that's a top 15, top 20 talent all the way down to 32. I think with the Chiefs' situation of needing to pay so many players, Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes, you know, you're know, you going to have to repay Terry Kill, you, know, you know, quicker than you think. I think that they need a ton of cheap, young, controllable talent. You get that with draft picks. I trust Brett Veach. I trust Andy Reid to find those draft picks in the later rounds. I think that they trade out from 32, get more picks this year, and build their roster through the draft as they have. Uh, so that's what I think. I don't think there's really a chance that they that they pick at 32, unless one a top talent falls, or two, they don't get that offer from from anyone. They they don't get an offer that even comes close to the pick 32 value, and so they go ahead and take somebody. But Sterling, where do you fall on if the Chiefs will be picking on you know Thursday night in a couple weeks?
1: No, I I think the realistic uh, thing here that the Chiefs trade back some team will want to trade up to 32 to get that fifth-year option, whether it is on a quarterback, whether it is on a certain player, but some team will value that fifth-year option. Like you said, the Chiefs need more young, controllable, cheap talent, and no better place to find that than the NFL draft. Uh, I think Kansas City is surprisingly in a very, very good spot. The fact that they stood pat at the trade deadline did not go all in on a cornerback. Did not go in on the Patrick Peterson, Jalen Ramsey, Darius Slay, uh, that sweepstakes. The fact that they're able to hold that number one or uh, first-round draft pick speaks volumes on Brett Veach and the trust he has. That's a whole other discussion. But they are in a good space because they have that pick, because of that fifth-year option. So they will trade back in my mind. Uh, Bringing back Bashad Breland, it, it, that helps at corner. Bringing back Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins, that's two wide receivers that you really don't have to worry about anymore, at least for one more season. Kansas City's actually in a fairly good position right here. The only reason they would stay at 32 is if someone like maybe Patrick Queen is still there at 32 in my mind.
2: Yeah, uh, I would be in favor of that. Uh, we have an analyst. Analyst? Are we called analyst? A contributor at Arrowhead Addict. Uh thomas welt uh he is he is not a fan of patrick queen um but i'm sure he'll he'll tell you about that at some point um but it it all depends on the way the board falls um it the it's almost like the chiefs shouldn't have drafted Miko hardman last season they should have waited for a wide receiver this year because this class is so deep at wide receiver that at 32 they could pick a guy that could be the number he could he could be a number two receiver they have that much talent in this draft class um, but um, it like I said, it depends on how the board falls. Uh, it depends on who's willing to make that trade. Whether there's they're going to give up adequate um, compensation for that pick. But I would be in favor of the Chiefs trading back um, because they need guys with high ceilings. They they're not so much looking for guys that they that can uh, contribute right away. They don't necessarily need that. Uh, they need guys that they can they can uh, develop and expect to be good in several years instead of um, uh, trying to find somebody to be the savior right away. And that just puts the Chiefs in such a good position compared to everybody else.
0: And as I said, I don't think there's a way that the Chiefs make this pick at 32 unless one of the two things happens. They don't get a trade that's worthwhile or Kenneth Murray falls, who I think fits this Chiefs system and SPAC system to a T and would be an amazing addition to that weak linebacking room
2: but can I make a little bold prediction on Murray? Okay. I th- I think Murray is a guy that's going to get drafted before anybody realizes. I'm with that. Uh I think he's a guy that I I think he I think he's a top 10 talent. I could see him getting drafted, you know, like 8 or 9 just like out of the blue and people are like, "Whoa, where would that come from?" If you watch his tape, um he is a a force to be reckoned with. He does everything well. Uh, I I can't imagine uh, that he would fall anywhere close to where the Chiefs are picking.
0: He's going to be special, I think. And we'll we'll have mock drafts from next week on, you know, variations of mock drafts on this podcast where we're going to get all our draft takes out. But real quick, I mentioned that, you know, after night one of the NFL draft, we're going to have a rapid reaction show to recap the night. Who do you think we're going to be talking about? Who's going to make that humongous splash that just takes up the majority of that Rapid Reaction show, Sterling?
1: Uh, To me, I think it has to be Miami. I think Miami is the logical pick here. I could throw out some names. I could throw out saying, oh, I think the Patriots are going to draft a quarterback. Or I could throw out that maybe the Raiders draft up and try to get Tua. I just don't think that's realistic. I think the most realistic... Uh, Thing we will be talking about after the draft outside of the Chiefs is Miami. I I think Miami makes the most sense. I do think they go up and get Tua. I I, they have so much draft capital. Miami has so much draft capital to work with. They could have a whole bunch of fun in in this draft. So I think Miami is the team I'm most forward or most looking forward to in this NFL draft.
2: I, I I think they're the safest bet. Um, to make that a big splash, I I think that's absolutely fair. Um, but I mean, at this point, Miami trading up to get Tua to wouldn't be all that surprising to me. Um, I think what if we're talking about surprising or big big splash that no one really sees coming? I think it's the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders drafted all their guys last uh, year. Didn't didn't move a lot of picks. Uh, they took a lot of guys that that are going to be. Uh, Pretty good in this league, I think, one day. Um, uh, I I wasn't huge on the Cleveland Farrell pick, but after that, I thought everything was good. But now they can go get a quarterback. They have that ability. They can trade both of their first-round picks, maybe auction off another uh, pick later on in the draft. Um, But the the worst-kept secret in the NFL is that John Gruden and Derek Carr aren't the greatest of friends. Uh, Derek Carr is a very very average quarterback um, there's there's some people there's some Raiders fans on Twitter that want to tell you that he is uh, a top 10 quarterback don't believe those people they are they are incorrect and they are they are on the weed um, because there's there's no way uh, that the Raiders aren't looking at quarterbacks uh, and I would I wouldn't be surprised if John Gruden if he does not get a quarterback in this draft looks to a cam Newton looks to a Jameis Winston for competition for Derek Carr uh we all know uh, that uh, John Gruden loves his quarterbacks and loves to think he's a quarterback guru uh and that's that's a lot of fun I
0: think that the smart money is on Miami as Sterling said I could see Oakland I I could see Las Vegas I'm going to do that for at least two years so just get used to it
1: um yep they still say San Diego Chargers. I still will say San Diego probably 20% <laughs> of the time. So it's going to take a long time to, to say Las Vegas.
0: Yeah, and It's just such a weird place well, to say. Well, La- Las Vegas doesn't oh, even have an awful time. I mean, I just, if I do ever get it right, I'm probably going to say the Vegas Raiders. I, I, there's something about adding the loss that I just I just don't like. Um, but I, I do think that they could be in play here. I'm going to go with the Colts. Chris Ballard has... You know, trade back, trade back, trade back, and he's gotten a lot of assets. I think that he can fall in love with Jordan Love, but um, and trade back into the first round, buy back in, and select them as long as Love falls to the latter half of the first round. Get that fifth year option on him, and that's something that people are going to talk about because you're any anytime you draft a quarterback, it's going to create buzz. Trading back in to do so, what did you give up for him? Uh, how worth it was it to you to get that fifth year option? And things like that, I think that the Colts could be in, in in play here for this discussion. So I am, of course, with Sterling Holmes, and you can find him on Twitter at homestretchkc. Grant Tuttle, you can find him on Twitter at granttmn and Tuttle, and I'm at Ryland underscore Styles. Let's talk about one more thing before we get out of here for the week, and that is that the fact that the NFL is canceling the pass interference rule; they will not continue it next season, if there is a season it didn't work um it got a lot of people talking but it didn't do what we all thought it would or at least what i thought it would do i know some people didn't even think that it'd work at all period Uh, but sterling what do you make of this decision to cancel it i think that we all kind of figured that the nfl wouldn't continue the pi rule but how was it handled and 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 could it have been better or did you figure it turn out this way
1: yeah, this is what we thought was going to happen. I mean, let's be real here. I don't think the NFL even tried to actually make this work. I think the NFL said, "You know what? We'll throw this shiny object here because the Saints got uh, the Saints got screwed. There was some uprising." uh will we'll appease the people but we're not going to take it seriously. I mean, guys are getting manhandled. Travis Kelce getting tackled and they won't get overturned. I mean, they did not want to actually make this work. And you know, some part of me doesn't really blame them. You don't want to make the refs even more scrutinized and and make the refs have even more power in a way being able to overturn, uh, you know, calls in slow motion with all these better views they, there's probably a way this could have worked. There probably is a way to make this feasible, but the NFL doesn't care. The NFL is still making money. The NFL is still an outstanding product. You know, I I think they're just saying, you know what, look, we tried it and we're done with it.
2: Yeah. Uh, I I think it's a good thing. Uh, I, a part of me was, was like interested uh, that they had implemented this rule. Um, and then immediately I was like, oh no, this is awful. Uh, it's more game stoppage. I, I don't need that in my football. Um, I love a long football game, uh, but with less refs in it. You know, the, the fewer times that you see the refs, the better. Um, unless something is blatant, it probably even shouldn't even be called. Um, so, you know, I, I, I go both ways a little bit on this, uh, but I think that it gave refs a little bit too much power uh i think it made the games slower um you know i i i'm not i wasn't a huge fan of it to begin with but i understood the sentiment and i think there might be some credence to the idea that they uh purposely purposefully uh put this shiny object in front of fans faces and said oh see it doesn't work um i think that's entirely possible
0: yeah th- this whole thing was a lot of protecting your own i mean There was clear P.I.s that got challenged and didn't get overturned because you didn't want to point out that the ref actually got it wrong. You wanted to try to say, no, actually, y'all are crazy at home. This wasn't P.I. when we all know it was. It was just a lot of protecting the refs, and it was never going to work out the way we wanted it to or the way it could have had the NFL actually given it a legit chance. Uh, But I think everyone kind of knew that this would not continue into its second year of pass interference review. So on today's show, we talked about Sammy Watkins, my love affair with Ricky Seals-Jones, Brashad Breeland, and a ton of NFL Draft talk. Guys, do you have anything left to say about this show before we get out of here?
1: Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay in, stay in quarantine. Um, shop local if you can. But no, I, I mean, this is fun. I, I thoroughly enjoy my first time on the Arrowhead Addict podcast.
0: It was a ton of fun ton of fun grant do you have anything else to end the show
2: yeah i've always got a last word you know um i would just say watch some movies uh take life a little slower than than you're used to um if you've got a pipe smoke a pipe that's probably a cool thing to do around this time Um, i did
0: not expect that to happen
1: yeah uh yeah, wait a minute. A, a pipe—that that, could, that, that a, could be a, a tobacco lot of things, tobacco. sir. Tobacco. I I have I have more answer. I have more questions than answers after you've yeah, said I mean, you said tobacco. Tobacco, you guys, you guys, wow. You you've been watching too much of uh, the Joe Exotic <laughs> maybe, show. Maybe you know? I, I mean I only watched it once.
2: I, I haven't gotten to the point where I need to watch it twice. So. Um, i did watch it in a matter of like three days uh which is probably unhealthy for anyone um but you know that's what we're doing during quarantine if i had a tobacco pipe a tobacco pipe i would smoke it i i think that is a cool thing to do during quarantine and i would if you have if you smoke them if you got them smoke them you know so uh do that do that that's what i'm that's what i'm recommending
0: add that to the list of things that we randomly talked about today but you can find sterling again on twitter at homestretchkc grant is on twitter at grant Tuttle. and i'm on twitter at Ryland_Styles. underscore styles same time next week on the arrowhead Addict podcast a part of the Fanside podcasting network and arrowheadaddict.com be good and be good to one another and we'll see you then